Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 238. On today's show, we tour the ancient Minoan palace at Knossos. Let's dig a little deeper into all those Minoan layers. That's dumb, <laughs> but I'm keeping it. All right, bye. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. We are recording this from the oldest settlement in Nevada, <laughs> 1851. Yeah. Genoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really cute little town. From what I understand, that's a little bit of a point of contention. I think there's oh, some other there places. Oh, there always is, that, right? <laughs> yeah. But and in, in what like what defines archaeologically, like what defines settlement? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... People were coming through here before then, and they probably stayed a few weeks, mm-hmm. if not a few months while they were coming through. Mm-hmm. But like that's a, that I think is the oldest one that is still inhabited, like still occupied, and continuously inhabited. Mm-hmm. Like when is Virginia City? It's got to be pretty close, right? And uh, well, I mean, Virginia City didn't blow up until they found the Comstock mm-hmm. load, which was what was it, eighteen seventies or something? Mm, okay, yeah. So yeah, well, anyway. it's a really beautiful little area tucked right up against the. Eastern Sierras, south of Carson City in yeah. Nevada. So we always love coming here. And this is where we usually stay when we come back to this area. Yeah. So pretty. It looks much like Crete, <laughs> an island. Surprisingly the, uh, so, right? In the Greek islands. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing. Uh, another surprise here, if you've uh, been listening to the show for the last month, we're going to talk about Greece today. Yeah. More Greece yeah. talk. More Greece. Welcome to our travel podcast. I mean, archaeology podcast. Right. <laughs> Chris and Rachel travel the world. All well, right. we do plan our travels around archaeology to some extent. Yes. So, and going to visit Crete was no different because there's some really cool archaeology there. Yeah. But back to what you're saying about the sort of geography. Well, the vegetation. No, the Yeah. Yeah. The environment. The landscape. Yeah. The landscape. It's very hilly. All the islands are very hilly, very mountainous. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a lot of like scrub mm-hmm. uh, around, not like sagebrush. No, it's not like the desert here, but it's yeah. definitely not like a lush green environment. No. It was a little bit more in Crete because it's bigger, but... It reminds me a lot of the high desert Nevada though. It does. Just with different yeah. trees. Yeah. But like most of the leafy trees there are olive trees. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was very humid, so it's not, definitely not, yeah. not desert, but no. it was an interesting environment. I hadn't yeah. ever experienced anything like that, so... All right. Well, this episode, as we mentioned in the intro, is all about Crete and more specifically the palace at Knossos that we went and visited. Yeah. But before we get to that, we wanted to just talk about Crete a little bit because we landed in Heraklion mm-hmm. and took it. We rented a car because the place we were staying was like an hour away. Mm-hmm. And just pro tip, like renting a car was cheaper than taking a taxi yeah. there and back. You could take the bus and that would be cheaper, but it would take a really long time yeah. and you're on a bus in right. Greece. So right. but if you can handle driving a stick, you can get an automatic, but they're, there were uh, some. they're hard yeah. to find. But. And I think they're more expensive too, but yeah, fortunately you are 
a an expert at driving uh, sick, well, unlike me. So <laughs> I didn't kill it once. You and didn't. I, and I hadn't driven a stick in a long time. I think time. you almost did that one time when you were uh, reversing yeah, just, that. Like it was, you it just was give close. it the gas. Yeah. <laughs> but you caught it. You caught yeah. it. It was All good. Right. Well, Crete is currently one of 13 administrative regions of modern Greece. And mm-hmm. I, I took the administrative region to mean like almost like state. Yeah. You know, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it's a, it's a really big area. In fact, yes. it's the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean. And the largest of the Greek islands. And I believe it's like the furthest south away from the mainland too, right? I don't know if there's any other little there ones might be hanging some, on. Yeah, I guess there could be yeah. some smaller ones out further, but it is very far south. Yeah. Like we had to go basically all the way through the mm-hmm. Cyclades to get down to Crete. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's a ways away mm-hmm. from Athens anyway. Yeah. It's long and narrow, measures 160 miles east west and 7.5 to 37 miles wide. So it's uh, a, yeah, yeah. Another reason to rent a car if you go visit, cause there is so much yeah. to see on this Island. We didn't get to see a lot of it, which we'll probably chat about why in a little mm-hmm. bit, but having a car will get you to all the places without having to rely on public transport yeah. or like one of those tours where they pack you into buses or Jeeps or whatever. So yeah, mm-hmm. a car was definitely the way to go. Yeah. The latest census data I found just to give you an idea how many people are there. In 2011, there was about 623,000 people living on just Crete. Mm-hmm. So a big, big population there. There's a lot of, there's a number of big cities mm-hmm. and it's just a, yeah, a lot of people crammed in there. Yep. It's, as we said, very mountainous with the highest, and this shocked me, being 8,085 foot ED mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so tall. That's, yeah. We've got mountains next to us that are about that height, right? Like that's yeah. crazy. No, they're a little taller, but not right. a lot. The uh, the White Mountains to the west of that hit about 8,045 feet. So yeah. very, very, very mountainous. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got like highlands. They've got, you know, lowlands by the by mm-hmm. the sea, of course. And then they've got this big gorge that's like a national yeah. park for Greece. It's yeah. really beautiful country. People from Crete are actually mm-hmm. called Cretans, mm-hmm. which I didn't know was, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the etymology. Check your of that use word. of that word, probably. Right. Right. <laughs> At least think about it before you use it. I'm guessing the negative connotation for the word Cretans probably came from the Venetians. <laughs> or the Romans. <laughs> or the Romans. <laughs> Apart from no. All right. Oh my so God. So here's another interesting tidbit about Crete. Some of the earliest evidence of people actually living on Crete date to about 130,000 years ago through stone tool evidence. That's so, amazing. That's yeah. such a long history. It's well, uh, if you look like a like an undersea topographic map, mm-hmm. you'll notice that, you know, Crete, you could probably walk to it at during several of the ice ages that happened between 130,000 years ago and now. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when all the water was taken up by yeah, ice caps, yeah. the Mediterranean dropped in, in, uh, in elevation too. And when mm-hmm. you look at it, I mean, it's like Sicily, Crete, all that stuff is kind of on a little shelf right there. Yeah. And I, I think actually between Sicily and Crete, though, it gets a little deep. And then to the east of Crete, it gets super deep. Mm. But then you could practically walk to Africa, too, if it was shallow enough. Right, right. right. It's yeah. just, uh, it's crazy how how topographically interesting the Mediterranean is, but also, you know, the fact that people got there at they least 130,000 years And that ago. they could walk there rather than having to navigate water. Yeah. Potentially, anyway. Well, and the other thing is, too, like, especially in times of really low water in the Mediterranean, there would have been a lot more islands, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's an, there's hundreds of islands now, mm-hmm. including the small inhab- uninhabited ones, but you probably could have just island hopped, mm. you know, That's a your really way down. good point. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Real human settlement didn't really begin until about 6500 BCE, according to the archaeological evidence. Mm-hmm. 
By 3000 BCE, the Minoan civilization was starting. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. in another segment. Um, and this was during Crete's early Bronze Age. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll have more on that in the second segment. Yeah. But yeah. By 2000 BCE, the Minoans were building palaces like the one in Knossos that we're going to talk about. The Minoans reached their peak in about the 16th century BCE mm-hmm. and were trading all across the eastern Mediterranean. Yep. Yeah. Pretty, pretty far reaching. Mm-hmm. By about 1500 BCE, the Mycenaeans, their Greek mainlanders, assumed influence over Minoan civilization. They also introduced a form of writing called Linear B, which we've actually talked about on this show before, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think we have. Uh, And because it's not been deciphered yet. So part of the reason why we don't know a whole lot about Minoan civilization is because we can't, we just can't read their writing. So maybe if we could get that deciphered, we would Mm -hmm. know more about what happened because these palaces that we're going to talk about, they went through a lot of phases and construction and destruction and blah, blah, blah. And if we could read, you know, some of their inscriptions, maybe we would have a better idea of what was Mm -hmm. going down at that time. So yeah, right now we're just making assumptions though. Yeah. It's amazing how, how much nature can influence the course of world history too. Right. Because if, if this had, if the 1450 BCE earthquake hadn't happened, which destroyed the palace at Knossos and a number of other places mm-hmm. on Crete, if that hadn't happened, then they probably would have retained power. Yeah. Right? The, the Mycenaeans were there, but... They weren't controlling yet right. or they were dominant. Yeah, they right. were... Yeah. It, it wasn't until that earthquake that the Minoans, they just couldn't handle it mm-hmm. administratively and the Mycenaeans officially took power. And their power lasted until about the uh, 1200 BCE, mm-hmm. the start of the Iron Age in mm-hmm. that area. Yep. So, and then around then, the Dorians, other Greeks, brought over some really cool columns and uh, <laughs> began to. Wait, really? Is that where those come from? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where Doric oh, okay. columns come from. Okay, yeah. very. Uh, don't take me that. <laughs> Please don't write. <laughs> Um, Please don't write. Yeah. If you do have anything bad to say, it's uh, Tristan at oh archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. <laughs> All right. So anyway, they moved in and began taking over a little bit. And during the heyday of Athens in the 5th century BCE, Crete basically fascinated the Greeks as a source of myths, legends, and laws. So mm-hmm. they were they were kind of all over it. This would um, be King Minos, the Minotaur, like... Yeah. That whole thing. All the famous stuff. Yeah. 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 By 67 BCE, Crete was conquered by the Romans and they made it part of a North African province called, I'm going to get this wrong, Cyrenaica. Cyrenaica. I don't, I don't really know. C-Y-R-E-N-A-I-C-A. Yeah. Cyrenaica? Cyrenaica. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Byzantium, which was basically the Eastern Roman Empire, gained control in 395 CE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The histories, when you look at these, it looks like they're it's changing control a lot, but yeah. there's hundreds of years yeah. between these. Yeah. So people were stable. But you do have to wonder like what that was like, what that meant exactly, you know? Yeah, it, but like I said, maybe not did, much. Probably not a lot for, the, yeah. for an everyday person in an everyday yeah. family, except right at that transition point, there might have been a little bit well, of, of course. whatever, but then the bo- before and after is probably just like... Even if it takes a hundred years to, to like get over it, right? Yeah. Like, the, um, like again, 395 the Eastern Roman Empire gained control, but then by yeah. 824, almost 500 years later, Arabs gained control over parts of the island and then lost that control by 961. Yeah. So in 150 years, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't get the rest they of the island. <laughs> well, Crete always sort of controlled itself for the most yeah. part, except for when it was under the Greeks. And, but I think that's why it, it kept jumping from yeah. group to group is because it really, it's, it was, it's separated, you know, yeah. by being an island. And I think it just, 
you know, kind of maintain well, its the, independence. The Cretan people, it does say in several of the sources that I looked at, they never abandoned their language, their culture, their religion yeah. through all the through yeah. all the changes. They were just like, okay, so hi guys, you're here now. Yeah, we're well, we're, we're still Cretans. We're still Cretans. <laughs> yeah, so. you do you, but <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in the aftermath of the Fourth Crusade, Crusaders sold Crete to Venice in 1204. The Venetians again. <laughs> I mean, I knew we were going to talk about them, but it still yeah. blows my mind. Those guys were all over the Mediterranean. Uh, I know. Yeah. After one of the longest sieges in history, the Ottoman Turks, um, already in control of parts of Crete, took the city of Candia, now called Araclio, mm-hmm. the capital, mm-hmm. from the Venetians in 1669. Mm-hmm. The Turks were then expelled in turn in 1898 by Greece. Okay. Um, and then mainland Greece, basically. Mainland Greece, yeah. yeah. And then the island remained autonomous until it united with Greece in 1913. And it's been there ever since. Yep. Yeah. So. On the other side of the break, and for the next two segments, we are going to talk about the palace at Knossos, which was the birthplace of the Minoan civilization, and a really kind of a... Kind of the shining of, star of archaeology kind of, exactly. on, that, on that island. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Hey, everybody. Chris Webster here to talk about one of the latest supporters to the Archaeology Podcast Network, The Motley Fool. Now, I've been investing in the stock market through various applications for a few years now, and everybody who's listening to this can benefit from that sort of investment for the long-term financial planning. And also, I know the host of these podcasts can benefit because as archaeologists, like none of us get retirement, (laughs) we all have to kind of fend for ourselves. So investing in the stock market is a good idea, but not everybody can do it. And look, we get it. The market is complicated and confusing, and to many of us, it simply doesn't make sense. In fact, where do you even start? Take all of the guesswork out of it with the Motley Fool Stock Advisor. The Motley Fool has been around for over 25 years and has been spot on in recommending some of the world's most important companies before they hit the big time. I'm talking about Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Starbucks, all before they exploded in value. With their easy to use and super informative service, Stock Advisor, you could join the ranks before they potentially find the next big thing. After all, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And no need to be intimidated by financial jargon or market complexities. As the name suggests, these guys don't take themselves too seriously. Now, finances, that's a different story. Their friendly and relaxed approach has helped over 700,000 people move closer to financial independence, all while beating the market and having fun. New members can access Stock Advisor for only $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the full list price. Don't sit on the sidelines and think about what could have happened. Visit fool.com slash APN to start your investing journey today. That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to episode 238 of the uh, Grecian Archaeology Show. 
and uh, <laughs> the Cretan Archaeology Show. Cretan, Cretan. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we took a well, we did a, a self guided tour. Um, mm-hmm. First off, there was a I think it was promoted on their on their website when we got the tickets. But this yeah. this app you can download called Clio uh, Clio, Clio Tours Muse. Clio Muse. Yeah, yeah. They have essentially tours that seem like it, it, they were recorded by individual people. And I think it's a way for them to actually have kind of a side hustle and make some money because mm-hmm. people put these tours together and then basically sell them or I don't know, rent them to Clio Muse. Yeah. And then we paid, I think four ninety nine. Yeah. It was pretty, it was yeah. very reasonable and we shared it because we were listening together. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, it was decent. The only thing I would say uh, about some of those tours is, you know, if you really want to know about an area, then use one of those tours. If you just want to kind of go through and read the signboards, you could probably do it in half the time if you're under the gun for, for time and you're doing other stuff. You could. I just, I find it confusing sometimes because you walk into a place and you're like, which way do I go? There's this yeah. direction in that direction. And when you're in a country where English isn't the primary language too, like mm-hmm. obviously everything was in English and Greek there, but yeah. I don't know. It's just nice to have that direction and right. Cause, yeah. Cause not only is it information, but they're like, okay, so go up to this statue, yeah. turn right, go down the stairs yeah. and then stop right there. Yeah. Yeah. And for the so, most part, that was pretty straightforward. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that made it nice, but yeah. sometimes like people were moving on and we're just like standing there for yeah. 20 minutes listening to these things about, and, and a lot of times it was about nothing we were even looking at. It was yeah. just, they took this opportunity to talk about, yeah, food at the palace. Yeah. Yeah. Which so. was still really cool. So I, right. I enjoyed it, but yeah. all right. So let's learn a little about Nosos. Yeah. So Nosos was first settled around 7,000 BCE, kind of like what you were saying mm-hmm. before with the whole history of Greece. This is one of the first places that had an actual like human settlement. This one being, well, this one was the oldest known settlement on the yeah. island. This is a, it, the pre pottery Neolithic time period. Mm-hmm. And they did find the remains of a small settlement in this area. And it's in the same place that eventually became the central court of the palace. Mm. So clearly this place had some kind of significant to these yeah. people because it, you know, they kept going back to the same area millennia after millennia, you know, right. now that settlement basically continued to grow in that area for the next several thousand years. And there was somewhere between 200 and 600 people living there in the early Neolithic era from 6,000 to 5,000 BCE. Mm-hmm. And of course it just, it keeps, it keeps growing as you would expect it would. Right. Yeah. The residents lived in what were like probably one or two room square houses made of mud brick walls. Very, mm-hmm. very simple and small living at that time period. Yeah. By about 4,000 BCE, that number grew to 500 to a thousand people. And in this period, the structures remain mostly the same as they were earlier, except they tended to be larger. I mean, there's more people. Yeah. Um, and had a central hearth in the middle of the main room. Yeah. Yeah. I think they added timber into those structures as mm. well. So you'd see some timber framing going right. on. There was an 1100 square foot great house that was found under the remains of the palace. Crazy. So it's much bigger than the sort of residential homes that they right. found were. So they think that it was some kind of like communal space, mm-hmm. sort of similar to what the palaces would become later on, a precursor to that, basically. Yeah. So again, the same spot, very important to this group of people because they kept coming back to it. And I mean, just like looking at it from our perspective, mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about that particular area that would make it seem so particularly special. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they would have kept going back over and over and over again for right. thousands of years, you know? I mean, it was a hilltop, I guess, but there's lots of hills. So. It was a hilltop. It wasn't even that close to the sea. No, and no. 
It was I in inland for sure. Yeah. yeah, it was inland. I don't know if there was a, a creek or a spring or something going through there. I can't remember. There was a water yeah. source nearby. Yeah. 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 So maybe that was it. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, it's a pretty area, but it's just interesting that they maintain that connection throughout right. the generations and the different cultures as it transitioned and developed. So, yeah, because yeah. even today, I mean, there's there's like a small town. The town mm-hmm. of Knossos is there. Yeah. 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 It's a so, town. Yeah. But it's like a little touristy town and yeah. not very big. And there's only a few shops. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and you kind of just like happen upon that as you come out of Heraklion. Yeah. It's like a suburb of Heraklion, yeah. basically. Although I don't know if suburb is the right word because they yeah. don't really have suburbs like we think of them, well, but I mean, it's they do, kinda. definitely, but. yeah, smaller town outside of the city. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, they were making their own <laughs> suburbs back in 4,000 <laughs> to 3,000 BCE as the population increased greatly in size over that time. I mean, yeah. we're talking, again, we kind of gloss over these numbers. It's like a, thousands of years. Thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if we were to, somebody described, you know, the, the time between 1,000 and 2,000 mm-hmm. AD or CE <laughs> as, oh, they grew greatly in size. Like, that's such a weird <laughs> like, thing to say. It is. Yeah. You know, we went from millions to billions. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Well, we definitely, the population definitely like expanded into the thousands at that point, which is probably why they started this whole palace construction thing. Mm-hmm. So, so there's several phases of palaces that happened in this yeah. area. Again, they just wanted to be in the same spot. So they kept building in the same area. Yeah. And the first one was built sometime after 2000 BCE. And it was just like their central palace. It was a hub of political and religious activity. And this was definitely completely different from the Neolithic villages that came before it because those were except for that great house in the sort of the previous mm-hmm. couple, you know, yeah. thousand years leading up to it. But before that, it was just like, like separate residential structures, yeah. not these large communal structures. So when we started transitioning into this like palace thing, that's when you really have this development of a complex society that's, that starts here. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's pretty well known anthropologically, you know, when you start going from, you know, bands and tribes up yeah. to, you know, chiefdoms and, and city states eventually. Yeah. And if you're, if you've got a palace, you're probably in the city state realm, right? Oh, Where definitely. You, yeah. You, you have an entire governing body whose only job is to basically rule and is govern. to keep the city yeah. running. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. the government. So, yep. which implies they have a big enough economy that they can support something like right. that. And we'll get to what their economy was made of, mm-hmm. but but they did, you know, they had a lot. This island is very resource rich. So yeah. they had a lot going on and, and yeah, they were just a, a growing flourishing society at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The palace at Gnosis wasn't the only Minoan palace. There were others built around the same time, including Malia, Festos and Zacro to name a few. Yeah. You know, you did the research on this little part of it. Mm-hmm. Were they near this palace or were they spread across the island? Does it, did they- it say? I didn't look up where they were specifically, but it does sound like they were, they would have been in contact with each other for sure. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that Gnosis was the largest of them, but it does not appear like it ruled over them huh. necessarily. They each sort of retained their own material culture. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they have their own pottery styles. They have their own structures and everything. It seems like they were yeah. separate and not unified under one person, government, right. whatever, just because Gnosis was the big, biggest that it was just probably the richest, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, like I said, these, this early phase of palaces, they were mostly destroyed by 1700, 
most likely by earthquakes, which apparently are really frequent mm. in Crete. Didn't yeah. know that before we went there. Would have been nice <laughs> to know to watch out for the earthquakes while we were yeah. there. But well, that's that's another thing you can see if you look at a uh, a topographical undersea map of mm-hmm. the Mediterranean. It's ripped apart. Yeah, you know, and that's why there's so many islands and all that stuff. And there must be a, a series of fault lines yeah. going through that area, which is why there's so many earthquakes in in. Athens and, and uh, Greece and the islands in general. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. And it does not bode well for the architecture, especially yeah. prehistoric architecture that doesn't have the protections against earthquakes that modern architecture does. So I mean, it sounds like they wreaked some havoc. They did surprisingly well. They did. But in some cases, not well enough to rebuild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so like I said, these early palaces were mostly destroyed by 1700 and then they were rebuilt on a grander scale in all of the different places that had palaces. Mm-hmm. They all went through phases of destruction and rebuilding by and by 1650 BCE. Yeah. The remains that we saw were basically in place the way that they were by then. And one quick side note, there is some more recent research that supports the idea that there's not this completely distinct first and second phase of palaces. Like I just described, Yeah, that's been like the prevailing theory, I guess over the past decades, but more recently it seems from the research that archeologists are doing that they likely reused and rebuilt parts of the older Mm. ones over, over a span of time. And I mean, it only makes sense, right? Like an earthquake happens and maybe just, just the Western wall comes down and they have to rebuild that part. So it actually, to me, it makes more sense that they wouldn't have had the complete destruction of an entire palace, you know, yeah. raised to the ground. And then they rebuilt brand new. It's, it was probably a little bit more nuanced than that. And I'm it sure. happened over time and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it just wasn't as abrupt. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. And so. that makes sense. You always look through the, the lens of history and it seems like things are happening on top of each other, but mm-hmm. it happened much more gradually than that. Yeah. All right. Let's take our last break and we'll talk about you know, where they got their money, what they were doing and, uh, and some other stuff. And then our own experiences at the palace of Nosos back in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to episode 238 of the Archaeology Show. And (laughs) we're talking about Nosos. So... Mm -hmm. 
when we were walking around and listening to our tour, one of the things they mentioned a lot actually was how they, you know, what, what they exported, you know, and, and, yeah. and traded for and things like that. Yep. And, and basically, you know, how they got to their, uh, their kind of rich status. Yeah. I mean, they, the, these palaces were crazy. Yeah. They were huge yeah. and they were extensive and elaborate. Yeah. 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 So during the 1650 time, when we talked about when the palaces were being rebuilt on a grander scale, the Minoan civilization was reaching its peak. And that's primarily because their export of goods like olive oil, wine, wool, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And again, there are olive trees, like wild olive trees yeah, and like plantations. All over the island. Literally everywhere. Yeah. All yeah. over Greece, actually, but also yeah. Crete specifically. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For and sure. so Minoan ceramics, too, is another way that they know that this city was flourishing trade-wise because they've yeah. been found all around the Mediterranean area, including Egypt, Syria, Anatolia, Rhodes, the Cyclades, Sicily, and mainland Greece. So these yeah. guys were really getting around with their trading for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mentioned it would have been too. I mean, not really, maybe not necessarily getting around, but I mean, Crete is kind of a big stopover if you're coming from almost anywhere else in the Mediterranean and headed to like Greece, Italy, that area. Mm-hmm. Crete would have been a huge island. And since it there's people here and yeah. they have stuff, yeah, it would have been a good place to restock and, you know, trade and do whatever you need to do. Yeah, definitely. So, so the other palaces that we discussed, the Malia, Festos, and Zakros, they were all basically destroyed by 1450 BCE. Mm-hmm. That was that earthquake that you mentioned in the first yeah. segment, did some really bad damage. Knossos was able to continue on for another 100 years after that. Mm-hmm. But in 1350 BCE, there was a fire and yeah. it basically just ravaged the structure. And it was yeah. it was done at that point. In fact, didn't we see evidence of fire? on some of the walls and stuff when we I were there. I think we I might thought, have. I thought we did. Yeah, we yeah. might have. Well, what happened is the upper floors collapsed onto the lower floors mm-hmm. and that just caused really extensive damage. Yeah. And, you know, you and I talk a lot about like why these monumental structures and architecture, why yeah. would, why do people walk away from that? Yeah. This seems like a really good reason to walk away because when there's a fire that does this much destruction, like I can totally see how people are like, mm, just can't do it. Can't go back to yeah. it. It's not worth it. And I, I could see that. But the other thing I don't get really is like, okay, then where did the government go? Right. Because yeah. this was maybe, you know, this was starting to collapse the Minoan civilization and the Mycenaeans were taking over, but yeah. I mean, they had to take over from somewhere where are the Mycenaean yeah. palaces. Right. And we just didn't research that. So I know they're there. Yeah. And I kind of looked into that a little bit and it definitely, it's, it's a transition point. So when mm-hmm. that fire happened and the, there was no center of power for the Minoans anymore, not physically anyway. Mm-hmm. The people were obviously still there, but, and also we don't know if this fire was natural or on purpose. We have, yeah. we don't know what the source of it was. So just keep that in the back of your mind. It could have been that the Greeks forced their hand by, <laughs> right. I, we don't know, but it does seem like that the last hundred years before it finally was destroyed by the fire, that the the people of Gnosis were heavily influenced by the Greek. Mm-hmm. They switched over to the Greek language. The architectural styles were influenced by the Mycenaean styles. So the Greeks are having a huge influence at this point. And maybe it was just like this natural thing. Like, okay, yeah. well, the palace is gone. Whatever. Hands up. Close we're just, yeah, we're just moving yeah. on to, to Greek life at that point. Right. So whatever happened, it was abandoned. So, yeah. All right. So here's the mic drop moment. We don't actually know what the Minoans were called. No, isn't that right. crazy, right? Yeah, and that's fascinating to me because I've heard of 
I, I didn't really know much about the Minoans. I've heard the word lots of times. Yeah. You, you can't you can't see anything about Greek history without hearing about the Minoans, right? Yeah. I didn't know that they were basically older than the Greeks, though. Like yeah. they came first for sure. Yeah. Which is crazy, right. you know. So back in the 1800s, Sir Arthur Evans, a British archaeologist, was excavating the palace, basically yeah. excavating the area there. And he came to believe that it was the palace of King Minos. And that's where he gave this, the name Minoans mm -hmm. is after King Minos. And King Minos wasn't even close to the start of the Minoan civilization. It's just no, what he named it. It's just, yeah, he thought that the palace seemed a little bit like a labyrinth and the myth, the King Minos myth with the, the, the minotaur, and, the minotaur and all yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know that myth off the top of my head, but I know that there was a minotaur that was in a labyrinth and I think Theseus had to defeat him or whatever. And yeah. that's, that's all I really know about it. But, but he thought it kind of seemed like that because the way it was structured, there's like this central court area mm -hmm. and you could access it from all four directions, but you would end up going through this almost like not tunnel, but you yeah. would, you would go through a building to get into the central court area. And to him, it kind of seemed like going into a labyrinth yeah. kind of a thing. And that's why he named it that. So that's yeah. where it comes from. And we don't, we don't really know what these people call themselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So some of our experiences just taking a look at the area, they kind of lead you in past a, a couple of statues. One of mm -hmm. them is Evans. I can't remember who the other guy was. Another archaeologist yeah. who did a lot of work right, on, right. The, on the site. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk about some of the older things there, which are these big circular like pits. Yeah. Cisterns yeah. that were up uh, kind of in the front of the site there. Mm -hmm. and, a, and kind of a big courtyard area too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably from the first palace, which is funny. And this is why it's actually kind of nice to do a little research ahead mm -hmm. of time, which we didn't do before we went. <laughs> but after doing the research for the show, now I learned about the first phase and the second phase of the palaces. And knowing that compared with what we saw, it, it actually does make sense. Like some of the, the lower walls that we saw and some of that first stuff was probably part of the first phase of the palace. And then the, the bigger stuff, the structures that are still standing, some of yeah. them, those are part of the... The later phase. Yeah. Oh, and another interesting thing too, the first phase, apparently the, they just weren't as sophisticated with their building methods at that time. So mm. they, they actually had thicker walls and sort of a blockier structure. Yeah. It just wasn't as refined, I think. And they did paint them because everything was brightly colored in yeah. ancient times. All these white, gray, pale walls that you see the the paint is just washed off of them. They they mm. brightly painted everything and the polysynosis was no different. But the first phase was like painted colors, but the second phase really brought in the beautiful murals and paintings and oh, stuff yeah. and the the relief images and stuff like yeah. that. That yeah. that that all came in with the second phase. And some of that though what we saw at the palace was not original cuz they can't leave that stuff out in the elements. Mm -hmm. It would be ruined. Most of it had been taken down and taken to the Heraklion museum, which we didn't get to go see, unfortunately, yeah. but we saw the reproductions of them. So you really get the idea of what they look like and they're, yeah. they're brightly colored and beautiful and give this beautiful example of what people in the Minoan, Minoan times look like mm -hmm. and what their style was, what they dress like, <laughs> that kind of thing. Some of my big takeaways of the palace were really the, the, some of the heavy construction that's still there, right? Yeah. Like stairs and some of the walls and mm -hmm. some of the areas, like there's this one part where you're, you're kind of standing out over this ledge and you can look down at this elaborate staircase that goes yeah. down like three floors and from, from where you're standing up high. 
And it just, I could imagine it just, you know, kind of whitewashed and, you know, color, like you said, yeah. and, and just being this, this really impressive place, you mm-hmm. know, as far as a palace goes and, and impressing visitors and, and, uh, and people that, uh, that came to, you know, talk to the King, I guess, yeah. but it just, it would have been, it would have been pretty spectacular. It and really would have. That's the one thing that's weird about the ancient world. <laughs> like, you know, and. In the next episode, we're going to have another Greece episode because we went to the Parthenon. I swear and it's the last Greece episode, it's but it's one. like the, yeah. the, not the best of it because it was all amazing, Yeah, but it is the most iconic. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, it's like when you watch, you know, a history program or something like that, everything's in black and white. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, even like the recreations of things are in black and white because to us, that means old. Yeah. Right. Because it's weird because we started with, if we'd started with color TV, what would old mean? Right. Right. We wouldn't know. <laughs> right. right? right. So, but everything it's, it's black and white TV. So everything was old and, and there's black and white photography, although there was color photography a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is the ancient world kind of is black and white, except it's more brown and gray. <laughs> right. Because all the paint's gone. Cause that's what we have. That's all we yeah. have left. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to me how, colorful some of that stuff really really was when you can do some of the analysis and you can find some of those those little bits of pigment that might be left and you're like holy crap this whole thing was blue yeah you know it's like who knew it's amazing and it makes you realize that life was like so vibrant in ancient times just as vibrant as it is today in different ways obviously but still so vibrant yeah like i think some of my favorite things that we saw were the the painting reproductions Mm -hmm. and oh my gosh these people had style, right? Yeah. Like I love seeing the ancient hairstyles and the clothes <laughs> and stuff that they're wearing too, but mostly the hairstyles. Cause they're just so elaborate. Like there are these ladies on, on this one painting reproduction and they just have like all these beads throughout their mm-hmm. hair and these crazy little like curly cute ponytail things yeah. going everywhere. And I'm like, man, you guys put some work. <laughs> if you're, if, if the ladies of this area really put that much work into their hair like that that was a lot of effort so it's just i just i love seeing that kind of stuff it's really cool and if you're listening to this like first thing sunday morning when it comes out hopefully you can come back to our instagram channel for arcpodnet because we were listening to the tour on my phone so i'm gonna have to get rachel to post every all the pictures that we have a a select curation of pictures yeah yeah yeah. maybe in a couple dumps onto our uh, thing because i think you can only do like 10 on a on a single dump on instagram but yeah so check out arcpodnet on instagram and hopefully we can get some pictures of the things we saw up there so we do have to go back to mr evans mr evans really quick because one of the things, and actually I think our tour kind of glossed over this a little bit because they just sort of revered him as like, you know, the archaeologist that did all the work. Right. But this is a hundred years ago that he's he's doing this work. And it sounds like he did a lot of like extensive restoration work. And it was a little controversial because it was sort of like filling in the blanks with mm-hmm. what he thought would go there and not necessarily what there was evidence for what was there or not there or whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of imagination, I guess, behind his restoration. So when you're looking at it, you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt yeah. and and try to get a tour that does explain the differences between what was there originally and what was restored right. by him. And and I think they're take they're taking steps now to like make sure that it's restored in a way that that fits with the ancient yeah. what we have evidence for from ancient times. Right, so. for sure. But such a cool place to visit though, yeah. right? It was really neat and the tour was 
somewhat penned in on the palace grounds, but if you look outside the ropes and things like that, there's ruins just like all over out there. Yeah, um, totally. In the area of the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be willing, interested to see how far out that extended because, I mean, not everybody lived in the palace, but was yeah. it a typical like medieval town like you would think of where you've got like the palace in the middle and a whole bunch of stuff so. around the edges? Yeah. Yeah. From what I was reading, it sounds like that was, that was how it yeah. was. and. And they also note, note this wasn't medieval. I just used that as an no, example. No, Don't but write. but that city center that was like the hub. Yeah, in this yeah. case, it was a palace, and yeah. yeah, and the the entryway too would have been really like just really imposing, and mm-hmm. like you know you're marching into yeah. this this tunnel almost and then into this central court area, yeah. and then there's all these levels too. You don't see a lot of like architecture with levels in the ancient world. I mean, I know that's not true. I take that back completely. You definitely do see that, but this is just on a really big scale and there were like Royal apartments and stuff in there. And you know, those are the things that collapsed during the fire. So they're sort of making archeological judgments based on what they can find from the remains, of course. But yeah, we definitely know there were several levels and we could see it too. Like Mm -hmm. we could look down into it. Oh, and there's those huge storage jars too. That was the other thing is this was a place where, cause like we talked about the olive oil and the wool and the other things that they were Mm -hmm. exporting, they would store them in these gigantic jars basically, which we'll put a picture of that on, on social media too. So you can see it, but yeah, it was just this hub of everything for the people who lived in this area. It's really, really cool. All right. Well, with that, we'll put a close, close the book on our Cretan experience. (laughs) And uh, from there, we went on to Athens for the last five or six days of our our, uh, time in Greece. Yeah. And so next time around, we again, we promise it's our last Greece episode. (laughs) But and, and in fact, now that I'm saying that out loud. We might actually postpone that one by a week. Oh, we might have a special episode next week. Yeah, I'm not going to say it out loud. No, don't say but, it. Out. But I next, think we already did say it out loud. Oh yeah, but the <laughs> no. next Greece one, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about the necropolis. Yeah, the agora, the acropolis, uh, uh, the, the acro, the acropolis, <laughs> yes, and the uh, and of course the Parthenon. Yeah, and some other stuff that we saw, and the yeah. Acropolis Museum, which was super cool too. Oh yeah, that was yeah, amazing. So, yeah. all right, with that, we will. Uh, go away and and we're probably not going to think about Greece for a little while although it's going to be hard because you know last <laughs> it was month. amazing but, but yes uh, anyway all right we'll see you guys next week bye thanks for listening to the archaeology show feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.arcpodnet.com find us on facebook instagram and twitter at arcpodnet Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.